You're entering the GOAT Zoom Room. Welcome to the GOAT Zoom Room, another edition where Caitlin Free has left the building. Um, it might be because she knows that Jermaine Bridgman is our guest. It might be because she's doing a photo shoot as we speak. Um, we'll let you guys decide after this interview is concerned, but uh, I'm really excited to have him on, and that's Jermaine Bridgman, jockey at Oakland Park, formerly of Lone Star Park, of Sam Houston Race Park, uh, every place in between, and got to give a shout-out to Cooter6969, who set us up for this interview, and uh, now I owe him a night out on the town, which is pretty scary. How you doing, dude? Good, Andy. How are you doing? Good. So, you know, uh, we met a few weeks ago, or we met about a month ago over at Oaklawn Park, and, you know, we had some good conversations, and I thought the, a lot of the conversations were, were things that I could, I could understand due to the fact that my sister is a writer, and so we had some good conversations about, you know, what what to expect on a jockey or what to see during races. So we'll cut we'll we'll touch base on that. But first off, how did you get started? I know your brother Sean rides, uh, but give us the breakdown on everything. Yeah, um, like you said, my brother Sean's also a jockey. Um, I guess I could um, guess you could get back to my dad. My dad used to own horses in Jamaica. And, um, you know, I left Jamaica when I was a young age and so did my brother. I mean, uh, we're nine years apart, me and Sean. So, I mean, obviously I was, um, uh, I was like a toddler. He was, um, you know, um, about nine or 10, but, um, my daddy sold horses and we never really got into it. Um, uh, in Jamaica, we left and, and, uh, yeah, moved to the States. We, um, were raised in Florida. Uh, South Florida to be specific. And, you know, uh, my brother, I um, developed, uh, you know, the passion for horse racing a lot earlier than I did. And when uh, he was learning and coming up, you know, I wasn't really into it um, as much as he was. I mean, like you said, nine years difference. Um, but, you know, the older I got kind of in my preteens and teens, I started to really, you know, fall in love with horse racing. And, um, you know, I've, um, by the time I was, I say 15 or 16, I pretty much well knew that I was going to be a jockey. And, you know, I was, um, uh, in school the weekends, I used to go to the racetrack, get on horses. And I mean, we're from a family that we are not a horse racing background or come from a horse racing background at all. Um, so it's kind of something we kind of learned and, you know, kind of fell in love with the sport and just kind of developed a passion for it. So, um, as, as I mean, as far as I go, um, and, um, you know, I've been riding for 15 years, you know, and, uh, I still love it. So, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it, uh, it's been a long road, but you know, it's no regrets. And, you know, I love my job and I love what I do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great feeling, you know, um, winning and, and, uh, a horse race. And I, I can't, uh, really, I haven't found anything that kind of describes or feels the same as winning a horse race, in my opinion. So, so you start, so you said you've been doing it for 15 years. Uh, so you started in what, 2006, you started riding as a bug rider? Yes. yes I started um, Calder in 2006. So Calder, which is which, if people don't know what it is, is uh, Gulfstream Park West, which is now probably going to be raised and become condos. Um, where where'd you go from there? I mean, that's a pretty tough circuit to be down there in South Florida for that long period of time and and try to cut your teeth there. Yeah, you know, I being raised in Florida, you know, like getting around to the track and getting on horses, I was pretty, um, I had a pretty good base down there, just kind of getting on 
horses for odd trainers. So, I mean, when I started riding, I had the support of a lot of guys that I used to breeze horses for when I was, um, you know, like I said, on the weekends when I used to go and, you know, so when I started, I wasn't like unknown. And then obviously, uh, like we mentioned before, my brother's a jockey as well. And at the time he, you know, he, he'd had uh, a lot of early success being an Eclipse Award winner himself. So, I mean, the name kind of carried me as well. And, you know, I didn't start as being unknown. And I, I got up to a great start. The first meet, uh, the Calder, uh, the tropical meet that they used to have, um, I guess, in Hialeah when they um, had that meet was at Calder. And I first meet I rode, uh, you know, I was had lots of success and I was leading rider and all that um jazz and it you know it was a great experience great start to my career um you know uh south florida now is a lot different there's a lot of new trainers that have come within the last decade and a half or so um a lot of venezuelan trainers have migrated down there and even a lot of other trainers that stable there uh throughout the year that hasn't that haven't really been there i think uh if i'm not mistaken i think todd pletcher keeps a string down there year round and um, you know, a lot of the other trainers, Ralph Nix, I think moved his, uh, stable down there and they're very strong as well. And, you know, a lot of people leave horses their year round to run. So it's a little different dynamic than when I was there, but I mean, South Florida is great. Love the weather. Obviously I grew up there and it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, not many, uh, spots I can say better than South Florida, mostly, um, the racing's good, but you know, the weather's even better. So after South Florida, where'd you end up? Did you have a specific place in mind? Did you, you know, we always, when I was growing up on the racetrack, we always talked about if you become a trainer, do you want to be a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond? So which one, which one did, did you have like a thought process of where you wanted to go? I didn't really have a plan as far as that goes, but, you know, obviously like on, thinking about it, you know, everybody, you know, the main, the main tracks or the, the premier tracks, I should say, um, you know, always elude everyone, you know, everybody wants to be, you know, top in New York or Kentucky or California, um, on the main stage, so to speak. Um, at the time, Florida, um, you know, was, was like now mostly the winter racing got the most attention the summer, not really, you know, cause it was Calder, but Gulfstream usually got most of the attention during the winter time. But from there, you know, like I said, I had early success being late in ride the first time, the, um, you know, the first year that I started. So actually, uh, from transitioning to the Calder meet, um, the end of the meet, uh, and the first day of Gulfstream, I actually got hurt. So I was out, I clipped heels on the grass and I, I was out for a significant amount of time. Um, I was out for three months, um, came back and there was out, I came back road for about a week or two and then was out for another three months. So, you know, um, that kind of, uh, changed the direction that I was going to. And then obviously at that time I come back after the was six months in total and, you know, I did a, I, I went up North, you know, I took, I went to New York and, um, I read, well, actually I went to New Jersey and then at Monmouth park and I was there, I was a uh, leading apprentice there, um, 2007. And then, um, that winter I made my way to aqueduct, which I, uh, lost my bug in New York as well. And then, you know, I rode tracks in between when I was riding in, uh, at Monmouth at the time when I had the bug, I used to do double duty and ride on my off days at Delaware on Monday, Tuesdays. So, you know, I, I'd bounce around like, you know, in that circuit, cause you know, all those tracks, you know, um, in the mid Atlantic, they're, they're not far away from each other, uh, at the time, uh, well, parks, Delaware, uh, Laurel, Aqueduct, Monmouth, they're, you know, they're within, you know, a couple hours of driving. So, um, you know, I, I stayed busy when I had the bug and tried to make the most of it. And, you know, from there, I kind of transitioned over the years. I made my way. I've been to um, Chicago on several different occasions and I, I was in Canada for, for, uh, for five years and um no i've i've traveled a, a lot through riding and 
made my way to quite a few tracks, to be honest. So I want to get back to one thing you said. You said, you know, you got, I mean, injuries is part of the game if you're a jockey. I mean, that's not, that's not lost on everybody. I mean, you guys put yourselves out there every single day and one little, one little mistake from somebody else could cost you your entire career. But how hard is it to gain, to get the momentum back of having Barnes ride you? Oh, it's extremely hard, you know, because it's, it's very, the horse racing business is very much a business of what have you done for me lately? So, I mean, it's kind of, you know, if you're not seen, not heard, you know, business that you had or, um, you know, reestablish those connections and those relationships with trainers and owners that you might have lost with your time being out. Because in that meantime, you know, while you're out, racing is still going on. They're not, you know, nothing stopping while you're out. So in that meantime, other jockeys are, you know, not uh, taking your place, so to speak. But, you know, they're not they're not going to wait for you to get back. I mean, the horses are still going to run. They're going to have different jockeys. So at that time, you know, you have to reestablish yourself. And it is it is difficult to build back momentum after a while. And, uh, you know, it takes some time. And, you know, that's you know, that's that's part of the game as well. So you lose your bug now, like you're in a different position than my sister was when she lost her bug. When she lost her bug. She tried to stay in Southern California, and obviously, Southern California had probably the most accomplished group of jockeys at the time, right? They had at the time that she was riding, they had Gary Stevens, Kent Desormo, Corey Nakatani, um, geez, Danny Sorensen, David a bunch Flores. of other riders, David Flores, Martin Pedroza. So she had all of these riders in the nineties that were, that were top, top of the list. And she ended up having to go to Cal to Woodbine to ride. What, how hard was it for you to continue your, your business after you lost the bug? It was, it was difficult. You know why I probably lost my bug in uh, the toughest place to lose an apprenticeship, which is New York. You know, and in New York, I wasn't um, I didn't have the steam like when I first started, you know, I, I had a couple of days that I had a couple of good days. I remember uh, remember, I think New Year's Day of when I had the bug, I went three and I was losing the bug shortly after. But I you know, it's not not, uh, you know, killing it by any means. So it's it's kind of it's it's rough um, getting back into probably the roughest place to lose an apprenticeship would be New York. And, you know, it just took a while. And, you know, that's probably why, you know, I kind of bounced around, which is probably not the best thing that I did, but I always felt, um, you know, uh, like I could have done better, you know, than I was doing at the time, which is not really the way to go. The thing to do is to stay in one place and establish business, which at the time I was not, um, I didn't think of it like that. So does that come with, does that just come with maturity and age? I mean, not to say you weren't mature at the time, just with age. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, uh, yeah, I would, I would say that's a factor in it as well. I mean, the thing is too, you don't really know, like, I mean, nobody, there's not like a, a handbook or a guide that says, you know, this is, these are the steps to do if you want to reach, you know, cause everyone has their own journey and everyone, um, you know, everyone's, career takes a different path, you know, but I mean, you know, once you realize that, yeah, you do have to have make people feel like you are going to stay at one place for a long enough time to um, develop some business and some, some relationships and the connections, you know, that's, that's more secure than just going and kind of looking for, you know, I mean, again, lack of a better term, like the next best thing, or, you know, just to do better at a, at a different place or, you know, so, yeah, but I mean, it's not, I don't, yeah, it's a, a maturity thing too, but I honestly just didn't know. I didn't know like that was the best thing to do. Maybe if I did know me, you know, just, it was, it would have been different, but, and, um, you know, but that comes with experience as well. I mean, I, <laughs> I know now, so. If we knew, if we knew, now what we knew what we wanted to know then it would be so much better yeah absolutely um 
Where so let's talk about that. This is going to be your second summer at spring, summer, fall at Indiana Grand. Uh, you've spent the last two years at Oakland Park, and at before that it was Lone Star and the Texas Circuit. Uh, so you're at Indiana Grand. You're going to be at Arlington. Talk about how how that's a positive coming into this meet, especially with the barns you you're mo most likely going to be riding for. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd make some good connections over the years, just, um, probably from Arlington. I started riding for, um, so Tom Amos and, um, I had had a previous, I've done previous business with Mr. Steve Asmussen. So, you know, I've had those connections kind of throughout the years of riding and going from, from place to place. So, I mean, um, when I left Lone Star, uh, last year I came here to Indiana and, you know, I had the support of those two gentlemen and, you know, they're very, you know, the two of the best horsemen in our game today. And, um, you know, it, it helped me kind of have, you know, um, salvage my year because when I was at Lone Star, you know, COVID hit really bad just in the state of Texas in general, and they closed down for a little while and, you know, it wasn't looking good. So I, I made the transition to Indiana and, you know, I got a warm reception. I got a good reception. And, and a part of it is, is the reception that I got from those two gentlemen, Mr. Tom Amos and Mr. Steve Asmussen. So I, you know, kind of want to build on that this year. This being my second year, I'll be here for the full year. Last year I got there with a couple months left in the meet and you know I did the best I can I did very well um in my opinion so you know I'm very excited for the meet to start and kind of build on those relationships that I've developed and hopefully build even more coming into the season and you're all so uh we had Rachel McLaughlin on last week she had mentioned that they're racing Monday through Thursday at Indiana Grand which you'll be doing but also you're going to be riding at Arlington Park when it begins, and that may be the last meet ever at Arlington Park. Um, talk about that. Talk about how you're going to be riding seven days a week. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's a it's a daunting task, but I I'm I think I'm you know up for it. Arlington Park as that as aesthetically it's one of the most beautiful racetracks I've ever been to, and I you know I've been there on several different occasions. Um, you know, a really uh, close friend of mine, uh, may rest in peace, Roger Bergman, has um, recently uh, passed away. You know, he was a, you know, me I, me and him had a very good relationship. You know, he's a, another great trainer. You know, he's won two Breeders' Cups and he's won countless other stakes and other races. And, um, you know, it'd be sad to be there without him. He's, um, he was my, my dear, dear friend. But, um, but Arlington's such a wonderful place. Um, you know, I've been there, like I said, on a couple of other occasions. And, you know, what kind of tra um, um, build like a desire for me to do this is, you know, Arlington and Indiana run, they're kind of on a different schedule. Arlington runs weekends for the most part. And um, our, uh, Indiana runs Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which, I mean, they conflict um, on Thursdays. They both um, – run Thursdays, both tracks run Thursdays, um, together, uh, starting, starting in June. Well, I guess throughout the meet, I guess. Um, so, I mean, just, just running through, um, Arlington, I think Arlington has 68 days, 15 of them are Thursdays. I will not be there any of those Thursdays. I don't think. I think those Thursdays I'll be at Indiana for sure. And, um, you know, other, other than that, I think, uh, there's no conflicts. Oh, there's also two Wednesdays that they run as well, but as far as anything else, uh, they run 20 Fridays and 22 Saturdays. And I, uh, intend to be there for those days. Um, you know, and just kind of, um, you know, I, I will be very busy, but uh, I'm up for it. And I think, you know, it's very exciting. I'm exciting for both meets to start and see how they progress. What about, sorry, I, I got, I heard you. I got sidetracked by Red Ant. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where it came from. Um, where do you, so you get Arlington. Arlington, I think Arlington ends in what end of July, right? Something September like twenty. September twenty. Oh, 
Never mind then. I was going to say you could also write Alice Park, but um, obviously Alice Park runs about the same time as Arlington Park. So that obviously can't happen. So it's kind of a bummer for that. Yeah. Uh, so what? One re another reason why we wanted you on here and the main reason why I wanted you on here because we had these discussions is, you know, with, with the information age being as it is, and people becoming, um, what's the word? I'm trying to be nice to people. Um, <laughs> novices, they think they're professional, they, they're professional replay people and they're professional workout people. And um, I, think, I think it takes a long time to become, to be able to say that you know what you're looking at when it comes to, watching races and watching workouts i've been lucky to do that for 20 plus years and i still i still learn things from you or from other jockeys that i talk to but um you know give give me some of the misconceptions give me a misconception that that people that are watching racing don't uh don't understand or haven't figured it out well it's you know there's um you know, there's a, in, in, in any sport, and I guess I'll use sports specifically, you know, um, as a viewer, and I, it, it, it could be like, you know, um, in human nature, you know, we see things that, you know, that we might think look easy, whether it be basketball, baseball, football, you know, it's easy. We're sitting on our couch and we're, it's easy to say, I mean, I'm guilty of it as well. It's easy to say, you man, this guy, even in basketball, you see a guy wide open you know, and the guy with the ball and he's like, man, that guy's wide open. Why didn't he pass it to that guy? And, you know, he's wide open, but it's easy to see like stuff that we're watching on TV. We have a, we have a view that the players do not have a view of while they're actually playing. So, you know, I think we're all kind of guilty of it to some degree, as far as it goes to horse racing. I mean, it, it's no different. I mean, there's a lot of little nuances and little things that happen that people probably are not aware of or don't put too much, credence on but you know also probably a thing about it too is you know they also it's it's a it's um it, you know they're they also might have you know money invested so they're not really interested in why they lost other than you know they just know that they lost and they have to find a good reason and whatever reason you know kind of suits their you know they're fancy at the time they'll kind of go with but there's a lot of little things that go into horse racing that a lot of people don't take into account maybe are misconstrued and you know it's just it is like you said you know there is a way to watch a horse race and see um how the race develops and what happens during the race and you know sometimes even before the race starts as well you know in the gate you know there's a lot of things that go on in between um, those periods of time and you know all those things are factors and the result of a race the end of a race the finishes one two three four and, and down the line you know there's a lot of things that are probably not considered that probably you know are, are factors as well there's so many variables in horse racing that you know um, nothing can really be counted out I mean everything kind of you know is it's so ambiguous that you know it leaves it open to the casual better that what they're saying might be true. So they just kind of, you know, um, go with that. I guess, I guess you could say, but I mean, specifically, I, I can't, I don't know. If, um, I don't know. What were you thinking about specifically that you, so here, uh, here we go. You want me to put you on the spot, huh? Not nah, so... spot, but <laughs> So here's my biggest pet peeve um, okay. when it comes to Twitter. And I'm going to be on my soapbox here. No worries. Because because I come from, from a situation where my sister rode, and like I, I, I told you behind closed doors, and it's not really a secret, but, you know, I used to go into the film room with her with Cheryl White and watch race replays when she was right. riding at Santa Anita. And I got a more under, I got much more of a education from watching race replays with two jockeys than maybe the the non-average viewer, right? It, it's kind of like 
okay, do you see why this person did this and why you shouldn't do this kind of deal? Or why, do you know why you're in this, the film room, right? She's an apprentice. They're going to call her in for stupid stuff, right? So, you know, hey, you know, you're not supposed to be up this close on somebody and trying to clip heels if you know you can't get into a spot, right? Right. And so where, so my biggest pet peeve, as I'm just going back to it is, there are too many people on Twitter that because they have money invested and they are betting with their hearts, they have a tendency to lash out at the, at the writers. And I don't feel that they need to lash out again at the writers. I think they, I think they need to be educated as to maybe thinking about why it is that the horse lost or didn't lose or why it didn't fire. Um, because at some point in time, it's going to end up biting them in the behind where they're going to say something that's going to be completely inappropriate. And the rider may be having a bad day and they might be at the same racetrack. I'm sorry, riders don't forgive very easily. And so let's, let's just take a, for instance, we were talking the other day, there was a race at Stan Houston race park recently where Danny Sorensen was on a horse. And Danny was trying to get into the rail and he anticipated the whole closing and yanked on the horse and because he was afraid that the bug boy was going to end up dropping him because the bug boy ended up going on the rail without looking. How do you, now I knew what it was, what was happening because I bothered to, I know Danny personally, but what do you do? I mean, how are people supposed to see those things? How are they supposed to understand that's what that was about? Well, um, you know, I the way that I like to get understanding of things is compare it to other things, for example. So like in that particular situation, it's kind of like, you know, the way I kind of thought about it while you were saying it is like, say, Danny, Danny and Danny's an older rider. So Danny knows what he's doing. You know, Danny's been riding for many years. And, you know, so if he, you know, he's just not going to you know, get out of a spot or check a horse for no reason. There's obviously there's something happening. There's something developing that he sees. And obviously he's an older rider. So he sees it coming because another thing, you know, it's um, that in, that's in horse racing that, you know, like you mentioned, anticipation is something too, that you also have to be very, um, very wary of as a rider as well. Cause you can see things happening, you know, without, you know, before they happen. So avoiding a bad situation, you know, is also a part of also being a good passenger and being a good rider as well. Um, Danny probably, like you said, seeing the whole closing and looking, you know, at, you know, the riders, um, you know, and the other uh, next to him and kind of uh, avoiding a bad situation. How I would view that is just like if you're driving a car and you're in, um, in a lane that's ending, you know, so Danny's in a path, in my opinion, if he's driving in a path that's his lane is ending and he needs to either get over in his path or get out and and tuck behind some of the other cars in the uh, proper lane that is not ending. So those are his two choices. Either he speeds up and gets in front and actually gets a hold, uh, a, establish a position in there or because, you know it's either you're in there or you're not in there. It's no, you know, you can't say, well, I was half in there and I had, you know, it doesn't quite work like that, especially on the turns on turns, you know, especially it's either you're in or you're out. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this happened around the turn and, yep. you know, Danny being an experienced rider, he sees, he saw what was developing and he says, Nope, this is, you know, I'm in a bad spot and I need to get out, you know, um, maybe if he had, you know, I'm not, I, I don't really know how much horse he had, but in a different scenario, maybe, you know, um, things would have been different, but, um, you know, like I said, if you're, if you're in a car and you're, and your lane is, is, is ending, you need to either speed up and get in front of the other cars or, uh, break up and get behind them. But either way, you have to be clear. You cannot come over in the other lane and, you know, you're not clear of any other cars. You have to have clearance. So, you know, um, that's the way I would look at things like that. And, you know, I wouldn't blame a rider either way because, you know what, at the end of the day, he's looking out for the best interest of the horse 
uh, of the equine athlete and also the human athlete. So, I mean, you can't, you know, if he, if he would have gotten in there and something catastrophic had happened, maybe clip heels, we'd all be blaming him. But now that he got out of it and probably avoided a bad situation, they're still going to blame him. You know, it's not really as a jockey, you're not really in a great position there, but you know, you make the best decision you can at the time and try to do the best for everyone. You know, it might cost you the race at the time, but you can't, I mean, look at it like that. I mean, the welfare and the well-being of the equine athlete and the human athlete are probably the most important or should be the most important at the time, at the moment, whether, you know, I mean, um, so I think, you know, in that respect, I think Danny kind of was taking care of both on that end. And, you know, I can respect that, you know, like as an older rider, a lot of, um, apprentice riders or riders that are just starting for the first time, you know, they're very eager and maybe might not know things like that and probably might would have driven into the spot blindly and just say, Oh, but you know, Danny and, you know, just listening to the details that you describe, I think he did the right thing. So let, let's talk about one of the most misconstrued things and that's horses that are trying to get out when they when they hit the turn for when they get to the scrap um number one they're trying to change leads how hard yeah. is it for a horse for for a rider to get them to to do that because it's not easy with a thousand pound animal and right. two how hard is it for you to or not for you but just in general for someone to see it it's it's difficult to see replays. It's difficult to see if you don't have an eye for it or if you don't, um, you know, look for it, you know, because I mean, I have uh, lots of friends that are not um, doesn't have any affiliation with horse racing and they can't tell when a horse is switching leads like they like their legs moving looks the same every stride from the beginning to the end. So, you know, they can't really tell when they switch leads, which I can understand. I mean, it, it, you develop an eye for it, um, you know, um, as far as the horses, I think, you know, it's, you know, the horses themselves, they have a mind of their own. I think it's, uh, um, you know, I think people forget that, you know, horses do have a mind of their own. And sometimes, you know, as a, as a jockey, we ask them to do things and they might not want to do it or might not do it when we ask them or as kindly or, or um, timely as we would like them to. So that's also a very important factor that probably people don't take into consideration that they're not machines. They're not like, it's not like, you know, like you drive your car, for example, it's, it's not like you can press the brake and you slow down and you step on the gas and it goes you know, they're in stride, they have a, a, a rhythm and you cannot, you know, you try the best not to get them out of either either one but sometimes it happens you know that you're running you're not running races alone there's other horses in the race there's you know things happening around you um you know you that's that's a that's a very big part of it as well um you know you just try to do the best thing and try to get the best trip for your horse but you know if they don't want to do something like you said you're getting out and stuff you know that's part of racing you know sometimes you know not not all the time your horse will run in a straight line and you know as a as a rider as a jockey you have to you know you have to be the best passenger you you can be without interfering with all you know the other horses and the other riders so you know as a as a jockey try to do the best you can you know and you know we get the bad rap for that you know why is this guy doing that you know going so wide or stuff like that but sometimes it's out of your control and i mean it's just again it goes back to you know, just having an eye to watch a race, just like having an eye to see a horse switch leads, which is very important. And all those little things make a big difference that on, on an everyday basis in a regular horse race that people might not consider as important, but I think they make a difference. So I, I want to bring up two examples that we were talking about the other day. You don't have to mention the riders if you don't want to, um, <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll, mention, I'll mention the first part of the rider. You can mention the second part if you want. Um, when Amy's challenge was a three-year-old, oh she was known. She was known as a handful. She basically wanted. She basically, if you try to do anything with her, she'd run off with you. Um, if you, in a race, because that's just that was her mindset. And I remember Gary was on her, and Gary came back, and he had blisters on his hands from her. Um. And then all of a sudden you see a difference when a new rider jumped on her 
because of the difference in the way he handled her. A, obviously it's because Amy's challenge is Amy's challenge, but you've been around the Philly. What makes Amy's challenge Amy's challenge? Well, not singling out Amy's challenge, but all horses are different. I mean, you know, they have like, just like people, you know, like I said, I, I try to compare things to things that I have a better understanding of to get a better understanding of a, an, on uh, a subject that I might not have as good of an understanding on. So like, just like people, horses are, are, all of them are different. You know, some people are very particular about something. Some people are, are vegan. Some people are not. Some people prefer uh, certain things as opposed to other things. You know, it's just a, it's just a matter of preference, so to speak. And horses are the same way. There's certain things that they like to do, certain things that they don't like to do. And then, you know, as far as it, it, um, not again, not singling out Amy's challenge, but like, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, there's, there's things you'd like to, as a, as a jockey, you try to, to learn those little nuances about them and, and do what they like. So, so when you ask them to run as a jockey or ask them to do things that you want them to do, they'll comply as well because you're, you know, you guys are getting along, um, so to speak. Um, so, I mean, to, to learn, you know, to learn a horse's um, habits and things that they like to do might take a race or two or maybe even longer. I've ridden horses that took me a little while to figure out. And then once I did, you know, you kind of try to do what they like. You know, some horses like to be on the lead. Some horses like to come off the pace. Some like some can take dirt. Some don't like dirt in their face, you know, and you kind of try to go by that try to do the best you can try to figure them out in the limited time that you have and the time that you spend with the horse to try to get the best experience. And ultimately at the end of the day, it gets to the finish line first, which is what it's all about. Um, you know, um, Amy's challenge I, 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 in general, she's, you know, she's a very imposing, uh, mayor. She's great size. Um, I've never gotten the pleasure to actually be and ride her, um, you know, be on, uh, be a passenger on her, but I've seen her run many times. I've seen her train. Mac Robertson's done a great job with her and, you know, it's, um, you know, she's a, she's a great mare. And I just, um, you know, just, I think it's just a fact that, you know, maybe Gary got on her and, and didn't quite know what she liked or what she was used to. And, you know, it happens, you know, and, or maybe, you know, it changes too. So, you know, it's, um, it's things that we have to learn on the job. And sometimes you have weeks to learn it, maybe even months. Sometimes you have days, sometimes you have hours or minutes, you know, sometimes as a jockey, you've never, you'll ride a horse that you've never seen before. You've, like the first time you'll see the horses in the paddock when you're going to get on them. And by that, by the time you get on the horse in the paddock to the time that you get in the starting gate, you have that, you know, eight to 10 minutes of, getting to know the horse to see what they like and try to figure out something to work for the both of you guys. And, you know, sometimes it works out in your favor. Sometimes it doesn't, but you know, you do the best you can and hopefully, you know, you, you, um, can make an educated, um, an educated, um, guess and try to, you know, do the best you can to get the best run out of the horse. What do you think about, uh, what was my question? So you pretty much answered the question for both horses. So I'm only going to leave you with that one. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think about rider reputation when it comes to other riders? I mean, what do you is mean? It, is it big? I'm not mentioning names. I don't want to get, I don't want to get you in trouble. Um, oh, I, no, I don't. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's some riders that are a little more aggressive than others. How much right. of it plays into them being successful and right. how much of them, how much of it is, has to do with the fact that everyone around them might not be as confident as they are. When you say everyone around them might not be as confident, what are you like other riders might not be as confident or other uh, like people like gamblers, trainers. So, no, not not gamblers. I'm talking about riders in general. Oh. Um, I'll, I'll give you, for instance, you can you can decline to answer this. Um, we all know Paco is a little bit of a crazy man. Um, not not because he he doesn't want to win races, but 
sometimes he just don't think when he rides. Sometimes he just goes into a hole that shouldn't be going into. So things like that, is that stuff that can be used to the advantage of the rider? You mean intimidating other riders? There you go. Well, yes. you know, it's, it's all, it's all, you know, being in such a competitive sport, I don't, I don't know how much you can intimidate um, other riders, so to speak, because it changes from race to race. So, I mean, you know, r- race one, I might not have, you know, um, I might not have the ability to do things with my horse that maybe um, I, I am throughout like my, that I, that I can with say the horse that I ride in race two or three or four. So, I mean, it changes from race to race. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if, um, and I can't really say for myself is if, if it's like an intimidation thing to, you know, uh, ride a particular way, so to speak. I mean, I know for me speaking just for myself, I know I try to do what's best for the equine athlete, the horse that I'm on. So I, I try to, you know, do my due diligence and kind of know, kind of get to know the animal and do what they like to do. Because if, you know, if they do, if I do what they like to do, then, or try to do what they like to do, I ultimately want, you know, they'll, and we'll get along and, you know, they'll do what I want to do when it's time. It's kind of like a reciprocal, you know, um, reciprocal power communication sort of thing. So, you know, I mean, I can't speak for other riders, but I mean, for me, I mean, intimidation, I, I, I don't know. I have never, you know, even going back to the example that you re, you use earlier with Danny, I mean, um, you know, for him getting out of a spot that, you know, he found to be too dangerous to take the risk to go in, you know, I mean, again, it's, he probably, he, obviously did the the best thing that he thought he could do at the time but like you're saying some riders might not have done that some some uh, some riders might have been you know a little bit more aggressive and maybe gotten in there and kind of deal with the consequences after it's a touchy it's a touchy line because each situation is so different you don't really know how much horse that rider has i mean you know it's kind of but i i, I don't use my horses I, 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 I wouldn't say to intimidate, but I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't know if others do, but they could. So, yeah. I mean, it just sometimes feels that way. Um, from the naked eye. I mean, I don't know Papa personally, so I can't, obviously I can't ask him, but you know, one other thing I was going to bring up as far as Twitter's concerned, because I am on it all the time and I know you're not, no, I don't really have get Twitter. You on Twitter. We really should get you on Twitter. I don't know if I'm ready for Twitter. As, ca- uh, as Caitlin have- Free said, she can't believe that she gets the app for free. With some other really? stuff. Uh, somebody made a joke to Drayton Van Dyke the other day. And Drayton's response to the guy, because Drayton, Drayton's Drayton, said... Uh, Said, well, at least I'm not wearing some polar bear shirt right now. You know, basically making fun of them. So I thought that was funny. But I see a lot of people complaining about races where there's, let's say, six horses on the front end and one just goes to the lead. Or the other scenario where you have one lone speed horse and nobody goes to the and then that lone speed horse doesn't go to the lead. What can you what can you do to tell or how can we explain to people that it just isn't as easy as looking at paper and going, well, there's six speed horses? Uh, well, to get back to your um, to get back to your Twitter uh, um Twitter beef. There's no Twitter well, beef. Not beef. Well, I mean, just argue. I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd, I'd respond in, you know, in, in certain ways to what people commented. I mean, I, I just, um, you know, because, you know, the thing is, is, you know, when you watch anything, 
sport related, you know, everyone's going to have their opinion. So just because I ride, um, I ride as, you know, people might not, you know, they can still have their opinion even after I, you know, say that, you know, so, so, so what I'm trying to say is say, you know, a guy is saying, you know, why did you do this? on? And I even say, why did you do this on this horse? And I try to explain to him, say, if I had a Twitter and try to explain to him what, you know, happened or, you know, my interpretation of what happened, it might not do any good. He just probably, he, he, it's, it's almost like he's asking a rhetorical question because he's not really waiting for you to respond. He's just, you know, saying like, you know, that was a bad move. What don't, why would you do that? you know, sort of thing. So it's not really, you know, the Twitter thing, you know, it's a, everyone's entitled to their opinion, which is very true. And, you know, I don't, you know, it's not, you know, even after they, they voice their opinions, that doesn't mean that they're going to listen even after you speak your piece about it. Um, to address your, uh, lone speed safe, you know, e even for me, when I'm handicapping to ride, I mean, absolutely. You'll see a race that's, that has tons of speed. And then actually, you know, when the gates open and, you know, you look up and, you know, there's one or two horses in front of you when it looked like there would be a lot more, you know, that stuff happens all the time. You know, it's, I mean, um, you know, and there's, and again, back to the nuances of what happens and how to watch a race, you know, you might have six speed horses in a race and, you know, four of them might not break as well as the other two you know, that were speed. So now you have, you have two horses on the lead in a race that has six speed horses, but you know, the other ones didn't get out of the gate as well. And that's why you have that scenario, you know, and there's no, there's, you know, and there's nobody to blame. You can't blame the jockey. Um, so to speak, I mean, if a horse breaks not as well as the other ones, you know, it's just horse racing. It's just racing. Look, it happens every day. Um, you know, and I, I, I see that a lot of people do take the stance and they get, so, well, you know, the jockeys let that one guy go on the lead. We don't let anything happen. I mean, you do as much as you can while you can do it, but if there's nothing you can do, things just happen. And, you know, you kind of have to play it by ear, you know, if, so to speak. So if I'm on a speed horse, for example, and he breaks last, you know, what, then what do I do? you know and, yeah, and, that's, I mean, and that's the interpretation so you know like so am i on a speed horse am i supposed to you know kind of use him to get to the lead and use that horse to get to the lead because he is a speed horse do i try to I, do i try to make the best out of the situation try to save some ground try to make a run do i you know there it's it's so ambiguous that um you know it's 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 left up to so many opinions that you know whether you defend it or you know, uh, talk about it, you know, people can still be left with the same opinions they walked into the conversation with. So, you know, but, you know, things like that happen, just little things in horse racing that you can't blame. It's just, you know, as one of the things that we say, it's just, you know, the racing gods weren't with you, so to speak, you know, just racing luck. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the perfect example was, uh, last Friday at Keeneland, the first race, the two-year-old race with Wesley Ward's horse going off his favorite. And uh, the horse didn't break. The horse just flat out didn't break. And that was it. She just, you know, she just was never going to catch the winner because the winner was just had a quick turn of foot. And once she got the lead, she wasn't giving it up. But, was that know, the, everybody, is, that the, is that the gray horse of uh, John Ennis? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. she was fast. I mean, I, I watched the race, you know, I watch races, um, at different tracks, you know, in my spare time and, uh, just to catch up on racing nationwide. But yeah, that, that, that horse was fast. I mean, she went 21 and yeah. three. So, you know, she was, you know, she turned for home six in front and that's to be six in front going four and a half is, it's, that's pretty good. And especially around that turn at Keeneland is incredible right, um, right. the the other thing i noticed in that race seeing how we both watched it uh the horse that finished third the four horse not one time the jockey the entire time down the lane was trying to switch leads on that filly 
and she refused to do it. You could tell he was doing everything in his power to get her to switch, and she never did, and she was trying to get in. And um, I think next time she runs, if, she, if she's a little less green, she might be tough to beat. Just my opinion. Yeah, no, horses, horses switching leads are, are very important. It's almost um, the best example that I've that I've heard of it, which um, of a horse switching leads is if you're if you're uh, pulling your carry on through the through the airport, say you're pulling your carry on in, in your right hand on the airport. After a while, your right hand's going to get a bit tired from you pulling it. So you just switch your carry on to your left hand and you can go a little further. That's the best example that I've heard of a horse switching lead. They just get a little bit more, um, you know, they, they relieve one side of it by switching leads and they get a little bit more, a little extra out of their, their body when they do that. So that's, you know, that's the example that I've always kind of, um, gone with. Yeah. I, I heard, think about it as you're hopping on one on your right leg for an entire straightaway and then trying to turn in the straightaway with the right leg and keep a straight line. And you're not going to do it because you're going to end up going up further up than you would. So you have to switch over to your left leg kind of deal yeah. to, to do it. That's so, that works. So, so one thing that we want to do is we definitely want to bring you back on here. I think there's a lot of questions people could ask that you could probably answer in a diplomatic way um, <laughs> by just having them on and then doing it live and you're just having them do and ask me anything where we get a bunch of questions and we can just pepper you with them. Um, good chance Coots will probably be one of them that'll ask you a dumb question. Oh boy. Uh, one thing, one thing Caitlin does at the end of these shows um, is ask certain questions that are just really puts everybody in a tough spot. So I'm not going to, just because she's not here doesn't mean that I'm not going to do it to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, your favorite, other than, other than you, your favorite, your, your favorite jockey growing up. Um, a jockey that I admired um, growing up was Jerry Bailey. Um, another rider that I, that I fancied a lot too was Renee Douglas. Renee could ride. I mean, they both. Uh, yeah, Renee, Renee was a Renee was a very smart rider. Um, I actually knew I I know I know Renee personally, and just kind of, you know, when I started, when I had the bug, um, he used to come down to Florida in the winter, and I kind of just seen how he operated. You know, being my first year and just watching him ride, and you know, just what a you know, the way he looked on a horse just was, you know, like picture perfect. You know what what every jockey aspires to to look like just kind of laying down and looks flat like you know and that's that's kind of what you aim for and you know he rides a smart race he's fantastic on the grass he's just a great rider um in general it's very unfortunate what happened to him um you know at arlington um you know he's a great I, guy too yeah he's a very nice guy he's a very very nice guy very intelligent very um horse savvy um you know i learned a lot from him you know when i had the bug you know um and you know i appreciate it. i even watching him ride it was just uh it was a pleasure really i mean just watching him you know there's not uh, you know just being as a rider and you know you know you see things happen in races that you you know what's happening because you've been out there and like things, you know, he did things in races and, and you'd say, man, how did, you know, how, how did, how did he pull that one off? You know, just, you, you'll just watch a race with, you know, your, your mouth open the whole time just saying, wow, wow, wow what a, what a ride, you know? And, you know, and um, Jerry Bailey, Jerry Bailey, you know, one of the smartest jocks, you know, he'd beat you he'd beat you not only on the racetrack, but he'd beat you even before because not only did he study the horses, the other horses that he was on, but he also studied the jockeys that he was riding against. So not only did he know the horse's habits, he know, the jockey's habits, you know, he'd sit behind a guy and he knows that that guy comes off the turn and he never 
stays on the rail. He stay right there when the guy turned, take the corner, the rails open, he goes through, looks like a genius. You know, he was, he was very good like that. He handicapped, you know, um, the horse and the rider and, you know, just, just a very, very, very smart rider. Yeah, he was, he's, he, I put him along the lines of being a cerebral rider. Um, he rarely got himself beat. And he rarely got his horse in, and he rarely got his horse in trouble, which is also part of being a good jockey. You know, you don't see Jerry Bailey checking too many horses, neither do you see Renee Douglas. And you know, that's also a good sign of a good jockey. You know, just give a horse a clear trip and you know, if they're good enough, they're good enough. And don't give them, you know, that's and that's the thing, you know, and that's um very important. And I, I admire both of those things and those two gentlemen. And you know, I've watched them growing up and I'm I was, you know, I'm a big fan. So I'm not going to put you on the spot on your favorite trainer um, because you're writing still. When you retire, <laughs> I'll ask you that. Or in private, I can ask you that. But what about growing up, what was your favorite horse? Wow, there's so many. Um, you know, I, I've developed a love for horses that's that's taken me way beyond than I thought. You know, I, you know, I had a very good friend of mine actually, you know, over the years, just kind of tell me, you know, you're, you're, you're an animal person. And I was like, I don't think so. I said, I mean, I like horses and dogs, but they're like, no, you love all animals. And I've come to realize they are right. I do love all animals, especially horses. You know, I find myself in my free time, just going to the barn, just to play with the horses. You know, a lot of the times, you know, people see me in the afternoons at feed time and they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I just came to visit, you know, just, you know, just filling a, you know, I, I love horses, love everything about them, their uh, personalities, their, you know, the way that they are, just being around them, you know, things of that nature. Um, cigar comes to mind, you know, there's so many, though, um, you know, even just I have fond memories of, you know, just, you know, him doing what he did on the racetrack, Um Zenyatta was very exciting to watch. I mean, there's something very exciting about watching a horse come from last to first. It's very, you know, exhilarating, you know, kind of reminds me of when I used to play Gallup Racer, uh, the video game, you know, it's just, you know, they just run by the whole field, you know, they those horses just, just gave you a thrill, you know, literally, literally gave you goosebumps, uh, make your hair stand up. I mean, um, you know, um, overseas, I, I, I love the horse called see the stars, see the stars. Oh I man, that horse is, uh, he's a freak. you know, it's, he's a brother to Galileo and, you know, um, he's, his mom won the arc Galileo won the arc and he won the arc. I mean, just come from, just come from an incredible bloodline and, um, just watching him, you know, I've watched that replay of the arc that, um, uh, Canan rode him in. I, I can't tell you how many times it's just, you know, again, a horse that just gives you goosebumps. Um, you know, those are, those are the, those are the ones that come to mind, but there's many more, you know, um, that you see and just, you're, you're just amazed at, you know, just being an athlete myself, just saying, wow, just what an athlete, what a individual, what, you know, just what an animal, you know, just what. Look at that, the power that they have. It's, it's incredible. I always love doing uh, the tours at Old Friends when I do the tours because nine out of 10 times, people don't realize, some people go there because their friends will go there or you get these, these Kentucky tours that come into the farm and the people are just doing tours because it's a whole group and they just want to be with their friends. So they're not, they don't know anything about horses or they may not know much about racehorses. And I'm always in awe of the fact that they come out with such a better appreciation for the horses because they don't realize how smart they are. I think oh, a yeah. lot of people just think that, oh, you, they, you know, you put a saddle, you point them in the right direction, they're fine. Now, these horses are smart. They're so, so smart. And, um, you know, I've been lucky to be around a lot of good ones. Um, you've been lucky to ride some good ones. How how good does that make you feel to be on a good horse? Or how do you know when you're on a good horse? 
you know, it's, it's, um, it's a feeling I, you know, you can, you can tell, um, a good horse has a certain, you know, and, and I mean, barring horses, you know, cause a lot of good race mares, fillies and mares are very quirky. So you might not get like an, you know, it might not be like a smooth ride with them because they have their quirks that needs to, to be in. But I mean, when you're on a, when you're on a, a, a special animal, a horse that's really has some special talent, you know, you can tell, I mean, it's just like, um, they have a certain swag about them that you can kind of, that you can tell. It's just like, if you were to see, I don't know, a Usain Bolt or a Michael Jordan or, a, you know, Wayne Gretzky, you know, kind of thing, you know, they just have a certain aura about them. That's just different, you know, and, 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 you know, more often than not, they know it too. They know, they know how good they are. They know that they are, you know, they are something special. So, you know, you can feel that it's a, it's an aura, like I said. So not only do they feel it, everybody around them feels it. It's just a, it, it just exudes out of them, you know, and, and you know that you, you know, you're kind of in the presence of, 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 of greatness, so to speak. Yeah. Paul, um, I always, I always attribute to, to watching Point Given uh, gallop in the mornings at Santa Anita. You always, I mean, I think everybody stopped to watch him because he was so, so, so imposing as far as that's concerned. Um, we're definitely going to have you on again. Definitely want to have you on again. I think oh, we got to right. do an ask me. I, I definitely think we got to do an ask me anything kind of segment. Like maybe even live where we're watching races and you can kind of break down a race if somebody wants you to. Um, well, yeah, no, that would be great. And what, what would be good too is, you know, just have the person, if they could stay on the line, I don't know if you get calls like that, just to stay on the line. So when, if I were to say something, how they receive the information that I said and kind of maybe give me some feedback on what they thought, because that would probably get a better understanding on their part because, you know, just typing in a question and getting an answer, that you, you know, that doesn't really explain it kind of like a more hands-on thing, but no, I I'm open to it. I mean, I don't, I don't mind. I mean, I think it's great for the sport for, you know, on everybody's point that, you know, I mean, you can never, you can never learn too much. No, definitely not. And, you know, as I, like I've always said, um, I, I left, I left Longhorn the second night we, we were all together in a row. Um, usually I don't like <laughs> hanging around with people, too many people two times in a row, but me and you both, um, but we, it was definitely fun. And, you know, I, no, I, think, yeah, I think the one thing is, the one thing is, is that you definitely have the type of personality that, that people got, have to get to know. And, you know, it helps that Coots is around. Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've heard that I've heard, the, I've heard that throughout my life. I mean, I uh, yeah, it's it's uh, you know, I I I I always envy. Uh, maybe not jealous, but I always envy people with like a, a, a like a bubbly personality because I, I I don't I don't kind of have that envy to a certain degree or a certain point, of course. But like I've never I've never been that kind of person. You know, I'm I'm more you know. Um, you know, to myself and, you know, kind of, um, I'm more on the quiet side. I mean, so no, no, it's, it's, it was, it was, it was I, I had a great time and yeah, I, I agree with you. I get that impression a lot, but once people get to, you know, I, I have a conversation, you know, they, I, hopefully I, I would hope they leave the conversation with a, a better outlook of, of me than they went into it with. Yeah. I think we're both kind of like, the same type of people where we're kind of like, yeah, let's, let's wait and play this out and see what's going on kind of deal. And, you know, it helps to have coots um, as your friend because he brings <laughs> out stuff that probably doesn't, you probably wouldn't think about. Um, Absolutely. I I've been fortunate to have, uh, to have, uh, to make friends such like uh, that as well, that kind of, get me out of my comfort zone, so to speak, and get me to do things that I ordinarily wouldn't do. And, you know, as a, as a, 
like I said, you're never too old to learn. And it kind of, you know, broadens my horizon and allows me to do things that I would not ordinarily do on my own, which is great. It's fantastic. I mean, I, I've actually, you know, I've actually learned after I've done it, I said, you know what, this was a good idea. So no, yeah. I, I appreciate, I appreciate people like him and, you know, he's a, he's a great guy. And, you know, I, um, you know, we've actually developed a very good friendship and, you know, I, um, I appreciate him. Yeah. I appreciate him too. Um, don't let him know that though. No, we won't. We won't let him listen. We, he we I, he, won't, make it, he won't make it. He won't make it this far in the podcast to listen to it anyway. So I think we're good. Yeah. He'll probably fall asleep. Um, <laughs> uh, definitely want you back again. Hopefully next time Caitlin will be on with you. Um, so this way you can give her a, a couple ribbon. We'll both be at, uh, at Indiana Grand when the meet starts. And definitely, I saw where the Longhorns are there. You sent me that deal. And, um, you see that? You see how they're, they're, strate- they're, they're strategically placed one in every direction. You see that? We, I mean, it's, a, yeah. it's God's plan. How, how are you going to play that? Exactly. And we got to get Coots down to come too. So uh, it'll be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to it, Andy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon as well.